When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Get in the know. Nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Yeah, what's happening? This is Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. That's all we want. 60 years. It's not that much to ask for, really. Come on now. This is Purple After Dark. Every Tuesday night during the season at 11 p.m. Central Time, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff, and the one and only, he has his own YouTube channel. You can check it out. He is Realistic Randy. What's going on, fellas? How are we doing on this Tuesday night? Coming out of bye week, Dallas Cowboys on the horizon in primetime on Sunday night. I'm ready for a game. Yeah, man. I'm ready for a game. I'm like chomping at the bit right now. Give me a game. And by, by the way, the bye week, you know, you ordinarily get some games where you're like, this is great. I'm not invested. I don't care. I'm just going to sit back and watch. That slate of six noon games was not. Oh, it was horrible. Uh, it was not good. It was not good. So I am ready to watch Dallas and the Vikings clash in the first of uh, four games. I think are going to be very interesting, Randy. And you know what's funny? As much as I was bitching and moaning saying the bye week, the timing of the bye week was perfect because the first six games, they all came super close except for Seattle. All right, we need a break. Just take a breather. This is way too stressful. I'm ready for Vikings football too, but what really sucks is that, okay, instead of going from your team doesn't play in two weeks, it's almost like your team doesn't play for 15 days. We have to go through the first two rotations of games and then wait till Sunday night to watch Vikings football. So we have to end our day with Vikings football. Dude, so it's just a tease. Let's get it, it done. And it's actually it's it's three rotations if you count Thursday night and we get we get Packers and Cardinals one combined loss this week without pretty much all of Green Bay's receivers. <laughs> Devontae Adams uh probably not going to play in that game but all right, let's waste no more time. Realistic Randy, what's on your mind this week? So fresh off the bye week, three and three, essentially continuing the season with a clean slate with your next four games being the gauntlet of the season. And after the first six games of the season for the Vikings, here's what we know defensively. <laughs> Before the season started, gentlemen, on this YouTube channel, I said the Vikings would be number one against the run right now, the 26th. So just a shade off, no big deal. Yeah, there's, still, there's plenty of time. We've got two-thirds oh, they, of the season up. left. They're going to catch up. They're giving up like 128 <laughs> rushing yards a game. No big deal. No Patrick Peterson. That's a massive loss for the secondary. But 
The Vikings have an elite pass rush, tied for first in the league in sacks, so that should at least help the secondary out. And they're 13th in scoring defense. So, Ben, but don't break, which is okay, but probably not what I'd imagine that Mike Zimmer had in mind before the season started. But that's okay. You know why? Because, at least personnel-wise anyway, the Vikings have one of the most unstoppable offenses in the league. Let your receivers make plays stretching the field. Let Dalvin Cook move the chains and drain clock. And it doesn't matter as far as, well, let the run set up the pass, let the pass set up the run. It doesn't matter. They can set each other up. And the offensive line has played a lot better than years past, but Mm -hmm. it still has its issues. The one that sticks out the most to me right now, Oli Udo. Seven penalties, six accepted, four holding calls. The Vikings, they can't continue going on allowing a single player to consistently kill drives. So that needs to get cleaned up real quick. And lastly, on the coaching situation with Mike Zimmer, coach to win the game. If you all of a sudden get a lead and, all right, stop the presses, everything we just did to get the lead, throw it in the trash. We're just going to run the ball drain clock let's let's escape with a victory if the game plan is to consistently hope that opposing teams will by the goodness of their hearts just let you walk away with the victory you're not talent wise you're going to win eight or nine games baseline but that's where it stops that's where the ceiling is going to end coach aggressive coach to win the game do you think though and and because to me Randy, this is the most important thing coming out of the bye. And it's an unknown question, and I fear I know the answer, and it's not going to be positive. Do you think that in their self-scout and evaluation of the first six games, the coaching staff has the wherewithal and ability to say, this is actually more on us than the players? Because everything that you just said is absolutely true. But what you just said is your team, like it or not, built on offense right so do you have it's not that your defense stinks it's just that it's not a top five it's it it's okay but it's not great do you think that they have the ability to make the adjustment which is not to say we need a lot more from our personnel it's to say we need to think differently from a coaching standpoint because that's my biggest question going into sunday night i don't think so just because what we've seen the first six games is a reflection of what we've seen the last eight years or the last seven years prior with mike zimmer he wants to run the football he wants to control the clock he wants to play defense anytime there's a lead they get scared and they basically play prevent defense and okay any chance we have of extending our lead nah that's okay we're just going to run the ball and punt it to the other team that's what we've seen i don't see all of a sudden seven years of the same thing changing after six weeks it should but like i said i think this was last week there is no pat Shermer. there is no one there that can really get in mike zimmer's ear at least from the outside looking in so i think they're going to continue what they've been doing the difference is these next four games you've got dallas on halloween night you've got the chargers you've got the packers you've got baltimore Those are teams that if you allow them to stay in the game, they will crush you. This isn't the Panthers. This isn't the Lions. They are going to make you pay for it. So hopefully it's one of those things where, okay, Mike Zimmer had a come-to-Jesus moment. All right, you know what? What am I doing? 
let's, let's switch this whole thing up. We're going to go pedal to the metal, damn it. I, I, I think that's more fantasy than reality. Uh, boys, I saw a really interesting stat come across some random Instagram page. I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna if, if I see it on Instagram, I'm just gonna believe it pretty much at this it's point. Fact, yeah. So, um, Kirk Cousins is the only quarterback in the NFL this season with two or fewer turnovers, combining interceptions with lost fumbles. Um, he only has three fumbles on the season. Now, keep in mind, his last year in Washington, he was a very chronic fumbler. He had 13 fumbles, which was among the league leaders uh, for quarterbacks. So, I, you know, it's amazing. Like, all these stats have always been there regarding Kirk, right? He just became one of the youngest players ever to reach another milestone that, like, only Dan Marino. Like, every day there's, like, a new cousin stat. And so you have to sort of sift through what's, you know, what's sort of junk and – you know, what are the stats that are just to, hey, guys throw the ball more in this era of football versus what is a stat that tells you he's different? I think the lack of turnovers compared to the 11 picks or whatever he had in the first, you know, six games last year. And I think the late game, uh, just his ability to rise up in these must-pass situations has been different. And I am now very curious to see because you could still make the case that's great. But he can't beat winning teams like his whole career. And especially with the Vikings, Kirk Cousins' teams don't beat teams that finish the season above 500. And right now, their losses are to the Bengals. They're the one seed in the AFC. Uh, they got a loss to the undefeated Cardinals, right? Well, that's not his fault because Greg Joseph missed a kick. But it's still a loss on Kirk Cousins' resume. Beat the Cowboys. Like, this can be, like Kirk can officially get to a new level here. Not only... Um, with, I think, Vikings fans who still haven't fully bought in necessarily, and I'm not necessarily fully bought in yet either, and the national perception. This this game has so much on the line for so many reasons for the team and for Kirk, and I could not be more excited to watch it play out. This is why I'm so scared right now, because of the level of excitement. Every time that and there's belief and hope and oh my god this, this team they could really do something that's when everything falls apart and they're on prime time that's when it's magnified when the whole nation watches the minnesota vikings is oh my goodness what could go wrong they always find multitude of ways to just screw up but kirk cousins he's playing like a top five quarterback he's keeping his eyes on his receivers he's better at pocket awareness he's i think we saw towards the end of the 2020 season, his ability to evade pressure towards the end. And I think it's continuing where it left off this season in 2021. Kirk Cousins, he is, if the coach allows him to be great, the offensive line there for the most part doing their jobs. But if the play calling matches up with Kirk Cousins based on how he's playing this year and the receivers that you have, then it's to the point where the defense, you have mercy on whatever the Vikings offense wants to do. Because then as soon as you say, okay, let's let's worry about these receivers. Oh, that's right. They also have Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins has elevated his game. I think also the supporting cast has been much better. Defensively, that's a whole different situation. It's better than 2020, but that's a super bar, a super low bar to eclipse. Allow your quarterback and your offense to be great, and good things will happen. It's okay. 
the Vikings fans, they will love Mike Zimmer forever if they can win a Super Bowl. We don't care if it's the number one offense in the league and the 29th ranked defense in the league. Yes. We don't care. Get it done. We'll love you forever. Mike Zimmer, if he were able to pull that off, however the team was able to do it, he would be right there with Vikings legends like Randy Moss. You would be right there. They would build a statue for you tomorrow if that were street. There'd be a street. Yeah. Zimmer way. If that happened, real quick, Judd, because you're the only one of us that was that sort of caught a whiff of like the 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 Bud Grant era. Oh yeah, you know, the end of the Bud the Bud Grant era. Yeah. If somehow Zimmer were to make some adjustments, you know, whatever it looks like, and the Vikings this year or next year were to win a Super Bowl, would would Mike Zimmer then be considered the greatest Vikings coach in history? Okay. This is a weird town, so that there will always be be the, the bud stance. But yeah, if you want a Super Bowl, like if you win a Super Bowl, think about that for a second. But yes, Bud went to four in the. 70s. I know, but he never won one. But he never won one. <laughs> if you won a Super Bowl, you would. I mean, think about this one. How differently would we think of Denny Green today in '98 if they had just followed through? Like that team was a Super Bowl team, no question about it, right? Yeah. yeah. Like what would be. Danny Green was a damn good coach. Like, he was quirky, and I, and I get that, but he was a good coach. But think about what the legacy of Dennis Green would be in this town if that team had followed through and fulfilled its potential and won a Super Bowl. There would be a street named after him. He would be, he would be, uh, you know, the praise would be incredible. So, yes, I think if you win a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl, you haven't, you haven't been to what since 19, what, 77, yeah, you would be the greatest coach. De- Denny and Zimmer are basically on the same plane, right? They've Like, Denny was around for a couple years or longer. They both, like, neither one of them really had train wreck seasons until the end for Denny. They were always in playoff contention. They both. He got the playoffs more, yeah. De- yep, Denny probably had more playoff appearances, but yeah. Denny Denny popped up once with the best offense. Zimmer popped up once with the best defense. They've both been to the conference championship game. Denny went there twice or three times. Did they go? They went against Atlanta. They will. They went forty-one donut against the Giants, and no. Besides that, was that it. It was, it yep, was the two twice. times. Twice. So twice. they're kind of yeah. They're kind of uh, kind of on the same plane. I got a hot take though. Here's my hot take: Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins' ability um, this year and his attributes and not turning over the football is fantastic. I would argue this, though. Coming out out of the bye, and this would never happen at TCO Performance Center, but it should. If I am Zimmer and Clint Kubiak, I call Kirk in and say, okay, Kirk, first six games, you've been damn good. You've done a lot of good things. This is the best we've seen you. I don't know exactly why, but that's great. We are not going to hold it against you if you throw a few more picks. Now, I don't want fumbles. Let me make this clear. But, again, I am going to go back to the biggest thing that I gleaned from watching Red Zone on Sunday was watching the Bengals and watching Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And and to, to go back to what we talked about today with Alex Boone, the faith that they have in Joe Burrow, who, by the way, threw a really bad pick, but guess what? They didn't say, Joe, you are an idiot. You're, you are in, in trouble. They clearly are empowering him. So I would actually say to Kirk, look, you got Jefferson, Thielen. Osborne's been great, right? I would empower him to say, if you make a mistake and throw a pick because you are being aggressive, not dumb, but aggressive, 
we're okay with that because that's how we're going to maximize this offense. Because I feel like the thing with Kirk is he's on eggshells because he's thinking first pick I throw, it's trouble, right? So I would actually, my hot take is I would make a case that starting on Sunday night, if Kirk throws a pick in trying to make something happen, it's not the worst thing because the idea is in the right place. But that goes against the grain of Mike Zimmer because you remember 2017, Case Keenum, every single time he did some magical play to win games. Oh, my God, Mike Zimmer would find something, anything to complain about it. But if Zimmer were to do that with Kirk and say, we trust you, we understand this team is, if they're going to have a chance to win, it's on offense. If he were to do that and say, Kirk, you've got the green light, do whatever the hell you want. I would praise him. I would say, Zim, that's that's growth. That's maturity as a head coach. Going back to the legendary status, though, what I will say is Andy Reid with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a legend with that franchise. They went to what? I believe four straight NFC Championship games. They went to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson, they won a championship. Mm-hmm. Whose statue is outside of the out of the link right now? It's Doug Peterson with Nick Foles calling the Philly special. So, Bud Grant, great. Life, by the way, life, life comes at you fast if you're Philadelphia. It, well, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that was not that long ago, and all of those guys are just ostracized and gone. But I digress. Yeah, it, it's 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 one of those things where if Zim were to do that and say I concede, I'm, you're still the head coach. So, however the team wins, you're still going to get credit. Who cares if the defense is not as great as you projected it to be? Yeah, let your quarterback go off. It is it is an interesting point. Like, it feels like he's so obsessed with it being done the way that he wants it to be done. Sometimes, and it's like, dude, I mean, sometimes, uh, sometimes life's different. Like Mike Mike Tomlin came in to Pittsburgh as a defensive coach, and there's a lot of years in Pittsburgh their defense has mostly been solid under Mike Tomlin. There's some years in Pittsburgh where that offense for four or five years was top five, top ten, and the defense was more middle of the pack. And uh, Mike Tomlin still. People aren't looking over there like, oh, Mike Tomlin's a bad head coach. His de- looks like his defense is underperforming. They're like, oh, Mike Tomlin has become an all-encompassing great head coach. John Harbaugh has become an all-encompassing adaptable great head coach. Um, another interesting nugget here under the file of nerd football stats. Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerd! Uh, this one presented by our friends at TCL, by the way. Uh, TCL is providing some of the best and most cost-effective TVs on the market. If you're looking for the new lineup of award-winning TVs, delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost, TCL is the TV for you. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Uh, Kirk Cousins turnover-worthy plays this year. Only four. Only four, and this is pro football focus, and, and this is largely interceptable passes, but it's also, you know, if you did something reckless with the ball. Um, like, for instance, Trevor Lawrence, Taylor Heineke, and Ben Roethlisberger, and Sam Darnold are all tied for the most turnover-worthy plays this year. They all have 12. <laughs> They're just reckless you know, just Sam Darnold just throwing the ball to whoever, you know, Bashad Breland. Russell Wilson, zero turnover-worthy plays. He's missed a few games, but Tom Brady has one turnover-worthy play. And Kirk Cousins has four. He's tied with Kyler Murray. And Carson Wentz, who's usually a turnover machine, wow. um, has cut back. So, so you could say on one hand, 
you know, Kirk, I don't need like 20 turnover-worthy plays, but like, you know, you want to get frisky and throw a ball up for grabs in a key situation, I'm not going to get mad. But then I see these other great quarterbacks that limit the turnover-worthy plays and still give you the upside of the big plays without the risk, you know, which has basically been Aaron Rodgers' whole career. Like, Aaron Rodgers it gives you Brett Favre upside. You get all the fruits of Brett Favre without any of the risk, basically. Um, and I think all we'd like to see from Kirk is, like, you know, don't go Brett Favre 20 interceptions or throw across your body in the NFC Championship game. Right. Um, but, you know... Yeah, if you want to throw a ball into traffic on third down and eight, you know, opponent side of the field and Justin Jefferson's out there, eh, it's okay. Go for the jugular. When I see uh, when I see Burrow and Chase work together the, the way that they are right now, and I see what Jamar Chase is bringing as a rookie, who, by the way, was teammates with Jefferson. Uh, he's a looks like a great player, but I don't think that there's anyone – sitting there saying, well, yeah, Jamar Chase is the real deal. And Justin Jefferson, you know, he he was seasoning. Like, these are two elite players. And, and as good as um, as Jefferson's stats are, I got to think he watches the same thing, right? And thinks to himself, dude, that should be me. That could be me. So, yeah, I am in no way saying that Kirk Cousins should be unleashed and just throw that ball up there. I am saying that Kirk Cousins has arm talent. He is hot as can be right now as far as his play goes. And he has a receiver that when I watch um, Jamar Chase play, I'm I'm like, okay, Justin Jefferson is right there too. Uh, so I would just like to see some more ideas for how to make those plays. And part of, of the equation then is empowering Kirk. If Kirk screws up, he is not going to get yelled at. He's not going to be um, in trouble. I just, that's to me the next step. And yeah, the problem is Case Keenum. Now, now Case Keenum is not as good as Kirk, but yeah, he was having a special year in 2017 and Randy's exactly right. Like every time he did something that, that I think we saw as, oh, wow, it's his year. It's special. Mike said, oh, that is a disaster. That's awfully risky. That is, and do you have the, and do you have the ability to recognize one thing? which is, at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback. I mean, Kirk Cousins is flat out a better player, which is why I would trust him a little bit more. Well, if you look at what happened with Stephon Diggs, that's essentially why he – I agree with him, the reason why he wanted out, just the way he went about it. He was just a petulant child and whined his way on Twitter to get out, but that's beside the point. The Stephon Diggs situation, I would think after that, and the fact that you were blessed with, going from one great receiver to another without skipping a beat. I mean, okay, that that's wonderful. But also, there should be something you learn from that if you're the Vikings, if you're the coaching staff saying, we cannot allow this to happen again. I could see that happening again if it continues how it's been so far, whereas you're flirting with a 500 season, or I guess because there's 17 games, you'll win eight or nine games. But allow your quarterback to play calling I think the team, I think they trust in Kirk. I think the players, they believe in him. I think his receivers believe in him. The offensive line, Brian O'Neill, he's a gangsta-ass dude. He will protect Kirk Cousins at all costs. They believe in Kirk. It's just, will the coaching staff believe in him? Because when you forfeit possessions, that's not allowing your quarterback to treat 
his receiver in Justin Jefferson like a Jamar Chase. Unleash this dude. I'm not saying have him throw 50 passes a game, but I mean, there are so many times where they're, they should be a top three to five scoring offense in the league. They really, really should. There's no excuse for that. It's just in situational coaching. Let your players go off and good things will happen. Yep. Uh, the Vikings are like 11th right now in average points per game offensively, and which is fine. It's fine. It's okay. I, th- I think a lot of – and this is this is a, a point I made on uh, the Alex Boone episode of Purple Daily early today too. It's like our expectations sometimes are just trained following this team to sit right around like fringe top 10, right? Like, oh, you know, they're kind of a fringe top 10 team. They're on pace for like nine or 10 wins or whatever. Oh, it's like the 11th best offense. That's pretty darn good. And that's fine if you want to eke into the playoffs. But what's the special thing about this team that can be magnified more coming out of the bye week? And I think it's offense. You know, what needs to happen for them to go from like a fringe top 10 offense to being a bona fide top five offense that's scoring 30 points a game like the Bills do, uh, like the Titans have been lately. Um, So I just like, let's raise our expectations here. The other thing, too, that we talked about on Purple Daily earlier today, Randy, was most people are saying... The Vikings just need to go two and two in these next four games and keep their season going forward, and then they'll be five and five. And then if they can eke out a you know two out of three here, and then it's like, all right, if they go two and two over these next four games, how does that prove that they're, they're reaching their max potential? Like, like I get two and two keeps you from like being out of it, and it probably keeps you in playoff position. But if you think the Vikings have a chance to do more than they've done so far this year, and if you want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. You should be looking for three and one or even four and zero. Oh. Go beat these teams. Go beat Baltimore on the road. Beat Dallas on a Sunday night. It's like why can't the Vikings do that? It's it's year eight. It's Mike Zimmer. It's Kirk Cousins. You got weapons all over the field. Go do it. Go beat the Cowboys. Then go beat the Ravens on the road. Right? It's like oh, I don't know. I don't know if they split those games. It's okay. It's it's okay if you want to be five hundred. If you want to win eleven games or twelve games and go to the Super Bowl and play home games in January then you need to win like three or four of your next four games, in my opinion. But the Vikings aren't coached. That's my problem here. Like, from a player standpoint and a team standpoint, Phil, you're exactly right, but I don't feel like they're coached to do that. Step on throats. Step on throats. Where's the swagger? You barely beat Detroit. You barely beat Carolina in two games that you led fairly comfortably if you finish the process right but, but here's the thing the rams barely beat the, but you can reframe this like if i like if okay, i've never coached a day of even middle school football in my life but like the rams almost lost to the lions at home too so you could like you can reframe this to say all right yeah, teams have bad games but look at us look at the end of these games we can pull these games out like there's way i think there's ways to either motivate or reframe and and but do spin they have- it in a but do they have that swagger? That's my question. Because so far, I don't see that. I don't see it internally, and that's what I want. I I want to look at this team and think three and one, very possible. You like that? Four and zero, possible. I don't see it from the top, Randy. I think, for what it's worth, I think last week I said that over the next four games, the Vikings they would go two and two. I'm going to stick with that. But they have all the talent in the world to go at least three and one. I would say that one for sure loss would be Baltimore just because Lamar Jackson, I think he's going to 
I think he would outrun the edges both sides unless the Neil Hunter absolutely goes off, which we know he's capable of doing. But it also requires our linebackers, Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks, to really control the sidelines. This team has <clears throat> excuse me, all the talent in the world to go three and one. I am tired of this team just floating around and maybe getting into the playoffs. And, oh, I think I saw this graphic. Well, if the playoffs started right now, the Vikings, they would be the seventh seed and they would go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, at least they would be in it. I'm tired (laughs) of seeing this team waste away opportunities after opportunities to where, okay, okay, yeah, you know what? The Vikings, they could be 5-1. and one. The pendulum could swing the other way because a couple of mistakes where the other team, if they took advantage of it, the Vikings could be 1-5. Stump on teams' throats until they can prove to you that they can stop what it is that you're doing. This team should be dusting opposing teams. And the fact that they're 3-3, three and three, all right, that's, that's, the, that's the preferred worst-case scenario. They are so much better than what they have shown so far through these first six games. All right, you can continue after the bye week with a clean slate. Start over. It requires coaching, execution, the defense. You'll take what you can get. But, man, this offense should be scoring 30 points a game. I'll tell you, even though the Vikings aren't living up to expectations so far this season, I'll tell you what is. Chill boys underwear. Specifically, chill boys long underwear. It's fall season. If you haven't slapped on a pair of Chill Boys long underwear, what are you even doing with your life? Yeah. I mean, you're you're basically dead to me. I wore, right? if you, wow. I've got mine on right now <laughs> with <laughs> shorts on too, NBA style, and I'm going to tell you right now. You look like comfort, Kevin Durant. Yeah. I feel like I could actually shoot now, well, which the last time I checked, yeah. I couldn't. Uh, be no, careful. There's, there's evidence. Uh, okay. probably not. No, I know. Yeah, let's I know. not go too far. Could. Okay. Too far. <laughs> anyway, the comfort today has been outstanding. Long underwear, great. The most comfortable underwear we have worn. Chillboys and Chillboys.com. It's a Minnesota-based company, and uh, they support us. So if you support them, you're supporting us, and you're supporting your boys. Chillboys.com. Uh, also, I see that can of Surly peeking its eyeballs over the top of uh, yes, these comments do. on the YouTube channel. Yes, yes, Minnesota's favorite IPA, and as we've been talking about on this episode of uh, Purple After Dark, Vikings back in action on Sunday. Sunday, a day full of football. I mean, noon to midnight. And so you're thinking to yourself, I got to go. I got to make a beer run, Judd. What should I get? You know, you know what you should get. First of all, make it surly. Second of all, I say make it a surly furious IPA. You can't go wrong even if the home team suffers a defeat on sunday you win if you're drinking these babies surly furious ipa yeah um and by the way we'll keep popping your comments up on the screen here if you're watching us on the youtube channel here purple the youtube channel just click that subscribe button and the like button to spread the word about the show also check out realistic randy on youtube as well you can find his stuff multiple days per week um what do you so so we've spent a lot of time just talking about you know we're 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 urging the Vikings here to take a step, go win a primetime game, just get out of your own way and throttle down. In the end, Randy, if you had to make a prediction right now, what do you think the season looks like for the Vikings at the end of the regular season? Like do you have faith that the things that you are urging them to do will come to fruition or do you think we will be talking about changes in like three months from now 
to be clear, I am a diehard fan. I love this team. No one can tell me anything when it comes to that. I want to see this team succeed. If Mike Zimmer is to pull this off and win a Super Bowl first in franchise history, I would be the first person to get out there and say, everyone knows I've been talking smack on this guy for like three years. I've been calling for his job for three years. I would love to see it happen. I'm realistic, Randy, for a reason. I've seen this episode play for seven years prior to this season. I have no reason to believe it's going to change. They're three and three. They beat the Panthers and Detroit. Those were back-to-back wins. That's great. What I've seen over the last seven years is when they go up against juggernauts of teams, when they go up against the big boys, whether it's the Packers led by Matt LaFleur, even Chicago is as, as goofy as they are. Matt Nagy still owns Mike Zimmer. Whenever they go up against juggernauts of teams, that's when this team falls apart. But when they go up against teams like, goodness, the Detroit Lions or, well, before this season, the Cincinnati Bengals, when they go up against teams like that, it's okay. Yeah, they'll go ahead and win those games pretty easily, which is why they'll flirt around with 8-8, and 9-7. and seven. Maybe they'll get into the playoffs 10-6. and six. There was that one year, 2017, they went, what, 13-3? and three? I've seen this enough times to where, you know what? Show me something. Because right now, I'm just going to assume they're going to go 9-8, and eight, even though I had them going 10-7 and seven to start the season. Yeah. But based off of what I've seen so far, okay, I've seen this before the past seven years. Have you guys ever seen a Vikings team where, and I'm not saying it's perfect, but where you've liked the personnel as much as I think we like the personnel on this roster and yet have, have so little faith of ultimate success. Cause we've seen some just, you know, mad teams, right. And you're, you're just like, okay, they're not that good, but I'm hard pressed to tell you the last time that I actually looked up and down the roster and became more and more convinced. It's certainly not perfect, but it's pretty damn good. And yet Randy's right. Like we should be talking about with this roster construction, 11 wins, we should be talking about 12 wins, possibly. Mm-hmm. And yet it feels like we are. We're saying, well, I mean, they might go two and two, and they'll probably win nine games. I just I think it's criminal that we're actually contemplating the lack of ability to get the most from a team that especially offensively has it. Well, here's I'll give you I'll give you the third nerd stat of the show here. Get All right. Nerds! 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 All right, here's here's another amazing one. So this has been, like this season has basically played out in the same fashion as Mike Zimmer's entire career as Vikings coach in that you can draw a line across the board he loses to teams that finish the season with a winning record he beats like Randy said he beats the teams he's supposed to beat more often than not like there's the occasional Bills game from a few years ago like there's you know you're not going to go undefeated in those games but again first 6 games What's the record? Three and three. What are the three losses? Well, the Bengals look like they're finishing above 500 now. They're five and two, and they look fantastic offensively. Uh, okay, the Browns. The Browns are hovering. I think if I had to bet, the Browns would find a way to finish above 500. You know, they haven't been as hot as maybe people thought they would be. And then the, the Cardinals are almost a lock to be 500 already mathematically. Like, if they win on Thursday night, they're already to eight wins, right? And so uh, your three losses have come to teams that will probably finish the season above 500, which brings Mike Zimmer's record as Vikings coach. 
if those hold, to 17-42 and 42 against teams that finish the season with a winning record. And you, your next question is going to be, oh, well, how does that compare to other coaches? Our friend, uh, Minnesota researcher on Twitter, has done all of this. He's looked at all the coaches who've coached at least, I want to say, three seasons since Mike Zimmer started in 2014. Or, like, I think it's, it might be like all coaches who've coached like four seasons worth of sample size or something. Bill Belichick. So, that for Mike Zimmer, that's a 29% win rate against winning teams. All right. Bill Belichick, 67%. Andy Reid, 58%. Pete Carroll, 57%. Mike Tomlin, 55%. Sean Payton, 50%. Jason, I'm going to skip down the list. Jason Garrett, who got fired two years ago, 38%. So he's 10% higher than Mike Zimmer. Uh, Dan Quinn, who got fired, 32%. Bill O'Brien, better than Mike Zimmer. So it's not too late to change it. You got four games right now. You can change it right now. You can push that, you can push that percentage up toward... 35, you know, something higher. But that is that is his career as the coach. Not being able to beat teams that win more than they lose. And the Cowboys are going to fit in that category Sunday. I've been saying that for the last three years. And whenever I bring that up, it's, well, look at his defense. Well, is he a defensive coordinator or is he a head coach? He needs to be a head coach coach other teams they have to face other tough teams too why is it that when the vikings do and they lose to those teams i'm not even see the thing is we can go off of that stat and say that's unacceptable which it really is i'm gonna go deeper than that it's not that you consistently lose to winning teams it's that your team looks unprepared they look like the week leading up practice and Everything, studying film, all that good stuff leading up to that game against that winning team, they consistently look like they don't belong on the football field. That's the problem. But in 2018, after, goodness, week 17, you lost to the Bears a chance to make it to the playoffs. Mike Zimmer got on the podium and said, yeah, I know the season, it didn't go the way that we planned, but look how good my defense was. (laughs) The fact that he's gone this long, unaccountable, or unaccounted for by the ownership speaks volumes. It, the standards needs to be raised for this franchise. We are just begging for a championship. Just look like you belong, and we'll be happy. There are plenty of times wins and losses, they come a dime a dozen, and things happen. You can't control. Sometimes the pendulum swings or the coin flips against you. It happens. But I am so sick and tired. This is why I, I am so scared for Sunday night. I think the Vikings will beat the Cowboys, but it's prime time. It's on the national stage. It's against a good team. Everything that goes up against Mike Zimmer as a head coach, just do it. And you know what I don't want? I don't want where they pull off the victory, beat the Cowboys, and look what we did. Everybody that was talking all that smack, you can you know what off. And then the following week, Oh, guess what? Well, we're on that emotional high, and and you know we didn't have <laughs> the emotional. I, I'm sick and tired of seeing that stuff. This team is too damn talented that's, yes. to be average, and that's what they've been for seven and a half years. Average. And right now, I think that this is one of the most underachieving teams Mike has had 
for for the talent. I really do. And and guess what, too? So, like, I, I saw, and we keep saying this, well, they almost beat the Cardinals. Well, the kicker that you brought in missed. So, like, that's not a, oh, Greg, Joseph, submarine this team because he insisted on being the kicker and he you, you, he missed. You brought him in. We all question that. Now, he made it the field goal against Detroit. But, again, that Detroit game, I think right now, uh, among the, uh, among the uh, first six games, I think it's the biggest indictment on this team and its lack of, of what you're talking about, the preparedness and the ability. I mean, it's the Lions. They are a complete and utter debacle. They're a mess. You had them at home. You should have run up the score. You should have been trying things out in that game to run up points to see if they would work. And you barely beat them, and you almost blew it completely by melting down. So so my whole point is this. You're lucky in a lot of ways to be three and three through six games. But when you look at the talent, when's the last time that Mike had a roster? And I'm not talking the defensive side. I'm talking both sides. When's the last time that Zimmer had a roster with this team that we thought was this good and and has given you three and three? And, and also, Dalvin might have got screwed, but he dropped the ball too. So like, I, I'm just, I'm really tired of this narrative of, well, they almost, they almost, this isn't an almost roster. They didn't go out during the summer months and add guys to say, well, we almost, they went out to add guys to win. And you have a chance to come back now and win. I'm convinced of that. It's it, the ball's in your court, Mike. What are you going to do? Well, and to answer Judd's question, I mean, 2018 was similar to that. 2018, you were coming off the number one defense. You had Thielen. You had Diggs. You had a healthy Dalvin. Kyle Rudolph, although wasn't the same tight end, was still a reliable player. Kirk Cousins was brought in here. I mean, the, the parallels to 2018. But sure, Judd, but like just to answer the question of personnel and not living up to the team's expectation with being a 500 team, that was that. That's the 2018 Vikings to a T. But but the big difference there is. Kirk Cousins was new and struggled and dropped the football mm-hmm. at times. 2018, I put a lot of that on Kirk's plate. What I'm saying now is I've shifted that. Mm-hmm. I'm putting it on Mike's plate because Kirk Cousins is having a, for him, phenomenal season. Mm-hmm. Capitalize on it. And if if they really want to thump their chest, because you know I, I, they can run this table in November and possibly thump their chest a little bit. They can. I mean, this obviously this gauntlet of a schedule in November is going to be tough. But then in December, you still have the Rams at home. You still got to go to Green Bay in Lambeau in January in primetime. Like if they really, if they really want to thump their chest and say, see, we told you so. And I, I first thought that would be, well, that, that, that will happen if you win four out of five or run the table in November. If you beat the Rams at home the day after Christmas on week 15, and then you go into Lambeau and basically clinch the division, and maybe because at that point, if you're rattling off that many wins and what we want, maybe even are in the talks to wrap up a number one seed, okay, that's when you can maybe talk about it. Maybe. And that's January 2nd, two and a half months from now still. I think what's amazing is the picture you just painted is fiction to a lot of Vikings fans. It's like, well, I mean, come on, dude. Let's let's not go crazy with expectations. All right, put yourself in the shoes of a Rams fan right now or a Buccaneers fan. And I get the Buccaneers have Tom Brady, so you probably should just leave them out of the equation. The Ravens. The Bills, like these other teams that are going to be in the mix, deep in the playoffs, when they see other great teams on their schedule, 
do the do, do the organizations and the fan bases look at? Oh man, look at these four games. All right, well, we're Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. Look at these four games on the schedule. Boy, if we can just like go two and two and then get to this part of the schedule, it's like no. They look at every game on the schedule. Ravens, Rams, the the like the Cardinals right now, probably the same thing. They're looking at every game on the schedule and saying that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. We sharpen the pencil so much here on behalf of this team, and I and I and I like that this show and Randy like I love that we're sort of no doesn't mean that you're a bad fan or that you're bailing on your team, but like go beat the Cowboys. Like the expectation should be that the Vikings win that game, and then the expectation should be that they go and beat the Ravens on the road. Like let's not be afraid of lofty expectations, and I say that for the fans, and I say that for the organization, ownership to front office down to head coach. You know what? It's one of those things where if you're a team and you face the Bills or the Bucks or the Rams, in your head you're saying, "Oh man, I got to we got to face this. This is a real tough team." What about the Vikings? Teams should be scared of playing Minnesota. You know good and well anytime especially when they play at home US Bank Stadium, that fan base, are they not more dedicated are they not one of the more passionate fan bases in the league? I know every franchise can say that, but those fans, they love this team. We deserve more and not just, well, we did enough just to squeak on by. Do what you need to do to win games. Coach and play to win the games. Teams should be scared of us, especially with this roster that we do have, especially on offense. Defense, we'll do what we can do. Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, pass rushers. Tied for first in the league in sacks. That's great. We'll take what we can get from the defense, but this offense should be smoking teams left and right. This comment on the screen here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, it's from Justin. Why? Why should he? I'm reading a quote here from Justin. Why? Why should the expectation be that? Do the Packers expect to beat the Cardinals? Yes. Mm-hmm. Their fans expect it. Aaron Rodgers expects it. Now, Devontae Adams is out, probably. So. All right, it might be a might be a weird week. But the answer is yes. Am I wrong? Like do like if like I know a bunch of I got a no, bunch of Tyler Packer Wyatt. fans in my family. Like yeah, they Wyatt. expect to beat the Cardinals on Thursday. They're not going in saying, "Boy, if we can just look good and then get to the next game." No, they expect to beat a good team. Yeah. And and we also have a weird thing to among a lot of Vikings fans of almost being like, "Well, that's what the team does." So no, the, the expectation should be that Zimmer and Kubiak and the entire coaching staff and this team will have a plan and a way to beat the Cowboys. Not like, well, they tried. And and there there's almost it's weird, and I it could could be our scan Scandinavian descent here, but we almost like fall into this whole thing of, well, I mean, they they did their best. I mean, what what more? I, I mean that's what Mike both teams played do. hard. Yeah, both teams played hard. <laughs> when it's like, no, the the expectation for this team, look, we've seen good teams and we've seen mediocre teams and we've seen bad teams. And this has the potential to be a good team. It really does. Um, they're 3-3, three and three, which is not great, but it's certainly not a disaster. And with the expanded playoff format, too, we should have the expectation that making the playoffs for a franchise like the Vikings should be damn near a given now. 
Mm-hmm. There's seven teams that get in. I mean, we are now to a point where where the seventh team is going to be an okay team, not great. So our expectation should be, yes, this is going to be continually a playoff team. That's not the point. The point is, what do you do once you're there? Unfortunately, it's become difficult for us to fathom that that could include a playoff run, which is a really sad thing. Yeah. All right, Randy, we got we got to wrap here. Give us your final thoughts here. Um, I think uh, this, is, this has been therapeutic. I feel like most of these episodes have been pretty therapeutic. But uh, going into this game, we got a handful of days here. Um, your final thoughts here on Purple After Dark. I, I just don't know what to make of this team. Hmm. They show you flashes when they are allowed to be aggressive. And then it, it's this team, they either dumb it down or play up based on the opponent that they're facing. Play Minnesota Vikings football. If you play Minnesota Vikings football, if you're really really maximizing and utilizing the talent that you have on this team, you should easily win 12 games this season. You should go 12 and 5. I have no idea what to make of this team and it fits because they're 3 and 3. They it goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. They're on the average 500. You're so much better than that. Yeah. So right. I, I just want one of these, man. I just want right, like I just want an awkward like I want an awkward Kirk Zimmer exchange on the sidelines after the game is over. I want him to you know shake Zim a little bit. It's a photo op yeah. now. It's a photo op. We <laughs> love each other, father and son. I love it so much. I don't care I don't care if they fist fight, just win football games. <laughs> oh man. This is Purple After Dark every Tuesday night here as part of Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. Before We Die, presented by Surly Brewing Company. You can find Realistic Randy on his YouTube channel. Go check that out. He's one of the OG callers from Vikings Ventline back in the day and, and doing his thing here uh, on his own channel, too. So thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and being part of this Purple Daily community. Thanks to uh, all the commenters popping stuff on the screen. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow for a little Write That Down session and uh, admitting that we were wrong once in a while. That's right. We do that once in a while. See you guys.